Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arseholics. Thank you for tuning in. As always, if you're watching on YouTube, we'd really appreciate that thumbs up. It helps support the channel. And if it's your first time watching, subscribe and, and share us and this with any other Arsenal fans that you think might enjoy listening to us. How are we doing, boys? Nero, Raj, Aronin? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, good uh, Yeah, good game. Um, Just Raj, recovered. Have you, uh, have you prepaid your Wi-Fi today or are we going to get... <laughs> downstairs <laughs> i would i would scan across to the router over there but my uh, laptop is is precariously balanced on a couple of books so <laughs> just uh take my word for it yeah the router's there fine so should no problems good stuff good. yeah we're just getting over what happened earlier then i don't know where and how we start to dissect this one but west ham three arsenal three crazy game uh, let's start, I guess, as we always do with the lineup. So quite a few changes Arteta made for this one. Uh, brought in Chambers at right back. Mari playing alongside David Luiz, so Gabriel on the bench. And both Aubameyang and Lacazette starting. Uh, we thought Aubameyang was going to start on the left, but he ended up actually starting the game on the right. And um, Saka back from injury as well. Nero, thoughts on the lineup? Mm, yeah, surprised, uh, as you just mentioned, surprised Aubameyang started on the right. Obviously, he's naturally, he's always played on the left for us. Probably seems to be more of his natural position if he's not playing up top. Um, and obviously, Saka is quite flexible, can play left or right. So that was a bit of a, didn't understand that decision, to be honest. Um, Odegaard obviously was on the bench on Thursday. So yeah, fully expected him to come back into the team. Uh, strongest midfield possibility, Partey Xhaka. So happy with that. And yeah, as we've discussed many times, uh, the back four are all sort of pretty interchangeable, really. I uh, was really happy that Chambers was given another other opportunity to start. Thought he played, he took his he played really well last time he started for us. So uh, was quite yeah was quite pleased for him as well after his long injury to yeah start getting consistent games. Um, yeah, David Luiz Mario looks seems like David Luiz is our sort of main. Looks like he's our sort of the main centre back, and you know they're rotating the others to see well Gabriel and Mari anyway to sort of work out who the best combination with him is. Um, it's yeah. funny that, isn't it? Because Holding was first choice not that long ago. And obviously yeah. that's changed. Um, so I still feel like we were talking about this, weren't we? Because um, not to spend too long at this point, but Louise and uh, Gabriel had started the previous three games together. And we almost felt like that might be his yeah, first choice pairing. Um, I don't know if that indicates where he values the league games over the Europa League, but we've got a two-week break anyway. So we're probably expecting Gabriel to play in today. But yeah. I guess it offers that flexibility, but slightly concerning that we still don't have a set centre-back pairing. Um, we've talked about it quite a few times. Um, okay, so awful start, really, in terms of just generally. Uh, we didn't come into the game or start the game well at all. We let West Ham kind of take the onus, um, dominated, and that really was shown by the first half an hour or so with, with the three goals that they scored and obviously going 3-0 up. I don't know where we, we, we. I don't know where we start on this because it was just terrible, wasn't it? Yeah it it was uh, it was weird because you know when you analyze the first 20, 30 minutes, especially the first ten to fifteen minutes, we we couldn't get the ball. Hmm. Um, and I think you have to give West Ham credit because they were really really good. They were pinging it around really nicely, uh, bypassing a midfield, going straight down like the left and right flanks. And just throwing those crosses in and Lingard and Antonio were everywhere. And our midfield just completely couldn't get into the game. 
And I'm not sure how much of that was down to West Ham being good because I think they were very good. But I think you also have to assume that for whatever reason, and to be honest, I'm not really sure what it was, what we were doing just wasn't working. I know Oba started off on the right and Tierney was very far forward. And then you know, towards, you know, I think after the first or second goal, we moved over back over to the left because uh, it clearly wasn't working and he was getting, he wasn't really doing his defensive work. So, yeah, but I also think you have to give West Ham a lot of credit because they were very good. Yeah, it really looked like it was one team who were playing um, with tactics they understood, that they were familiar with, that they knew how to execute, um, and a team that was on form. It looked like West Ham were that, and we looked like the opposite of all of that. We looked like we were playing tactics we didn't understand. We looked like we were off form. We looked like, you know, we were just really disjointed. It was just chalk and cheese, and I remember it just feeling... Particularly, I think that period, the first seven to 10 minutes, it just felt like we were playing a far superior team to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I said to you guys, if, uh, yeah, yeah, go yeah, yeah, I was saying, like, I mean, at the end of the day, if they had Man City shirts on, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, you know, it would have been the same kind of domination that I would have expected. And, um, and it, it just, it just looked like it didn't work. And, and, you know, just, with regards to the formation and how that links to this, you know, we've, we've got to just give up trying to predict the formation. Uh, I don't necessarily mean, mean that in a bad way, but I think even in the ways, because Aaron, you know, you were talking beforehand about, you know, you thought maybe Chambers could have, may have started and you had rationale for why you thought that. Um, but it's interesting because even the rationale applied to what we thought could be reasons for starting Chambers actually didn't manifest in that way. Yeah. Like it it wasn't the case where we expected him to be this attacking threat in the game. You know, yeah. do you know what I mean? So it was just all all just no no idea. And I, it felt like the players didn't really know what they were doing either. You know, It was interesting because if you listen to Arteta's post-match conference, he touched upon it where he basically said that the idea behind starting Oba on the right was... He, he, he said it was a deliberate choice because the way we set up was... It sounded like to get over in on, I guess, his coming in on, like, coming in when we build up play on the left. Uh, but he then said, look, we then had some defensive problems down that side. And that sounded to me like Oba just wasn't doing a good job tracking back. Interesting. And then he switched um, over. And I think, actually, it probably leads us quite nicely up to the first goal because there's this part where I, the ball comes down West Ham's left when Oba's on the right. And probably don't notice it, but Oba just doesn't really do anything. And it basically then forces Chambers completely out of position. Mm. And from that point on, he's running back to goal. And that's basically how they scored. Well, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that at all. And it it just, it felt, because I didn't see that interview bit that you just mentioned, Aaron, but it, I saw Arteta at the beginning of the game mention, it sounded very simplistically. He sort of said, yeah, well, you know, we've been creating lots of chances and not necessarily finishing, hence the thought process of putting two strikers in, hence the process of having Lacazette and Oberyn. And I remember my first reaction to that was that's a very simplistic way of looking at the the thing. And, and obviously, knowing Arteta and knowing that he is a tactician, there obviously must have been more to it, which I guess is like what you're mm. you're saying. But I think whatever the case, it just didn't work, did it? Yeah, because if you heard uh, yeah, Lacazette's uh, post-match conference and Arteta's, they're both touched on the point that the first sort of 35 minutes was poor because they didn't execute the the plan. Um, I don't know if that's because what West Ham came out at such a high tempo, they're winning you know, all the second balls. Maybe, I don't know, that threw them off our game. But 
for whatever for whatever reason, I think the players and the manager acknowledged that whatever game plan we had, we didn't stick to in the first thirty five minutes, and that's probably why we went three 0 down. It, it feels like yeah, it feels like it was probably yeah. I mean, I I, I see what you, what the Lacazette sorry Arte saying about the game plan, but it just felt like they just weren't even up for the game, and I've, we've seen that a lot with Arsenal mm. under Wenger towards the latter stages. Um, just coming into games, we all get excited about them. And like, you know, building up to the game, what I mean. And there's just nothing there. I, I feel like it was even more than not following the plan or the tactics. It was just yeah. players not being up for it, you know, not doing basics, right? You know, we couldn't even string a few passes together. And I, I think I said that apart from Erdegaard, everyone looked terrible. Mm. And yeah. you, you can't really blame uh, yeah. the... Um, obviously, there's talks about, was it you know, the, the Europa hangover and whatnot, but like... We played at home. We, we you know, we had a good squad rotation from that game to this game. So I don't think that's an easy excuse to use. Yeah, but I completely agree. I don't think you can blame Europa or even well, the high intense what North London derby we played last week. It's, it's just it was just disappointing that West Ham were pumped up for it a lot more than we were at the beginning, mm. and you could see that they wanted it. And it's it's interesting, right? Because if you then look at the second half of the game, or at least forty minutes onwards. You saw the level we took it to, mm. to play well. Mm. And it was a noticeable intensity increase from how we were playing in the first 35 minutes. Yep. So yeah, I think you're right, Mize. Yeah, the game plan was wrong, I think. At least at the start, we're playing over on the right. But we also executed it very badly because we just weren't at it mentally. The passes were sloppy. Track The energy levels were bad. There was a lot of things that went wrong in that first 25 minutes not to mention the fact that we made some horrendous stupid errors as well yeah i'm a big arteta fan still right but if i could be critical one of the feelings i had was it felt like he was being a bit arrogant because it felt like he was trying to again he's going into a pretty big game against a team that are doing very well this season and he's trying something that he's not done before and he's putting players in positions they've not played before. And it was almost like he sort of felt, look, anything I touch turns to gold with regards to tactics. I know exactly what I'm doing. And I just felt he could have been a bit more conservative with respect to, you know, trying fewer new things in one go, you know, and just maybe doing a similar tactic that served us quite well and, you know, putting over on the right and having Tierney play in this really weird wing forward position and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It just, it felt a little bit, I don't know, I just felt he was being a little bit arrogant. Okay. It might have been to sort of throw off the opposition as well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But it's good. To, it's good that he's trying. He's, he's trying to new things, right? If he had, you know, if if if, he had, if they had stuck to his game plan and we were, you know, two nil up, three nil up, we were all, you know, calling him a genius. That's true. Um, so I think I think he can sort of get away with sort of trying new things out at this stage. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's quite funny, right? Like I get when we had Wenger, we were complaining that he just basically played the same game plan, one, one plan all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> and now, now we're yeah. complaining, it's like, oh, too many tactics. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. So, yeah. And to be fair with Arteta, like normally I, I always complain that he, t- he takes too long to like, you know, if, if it isn't working, it takes too long to change things up. But I guess he sort of, even in a non-arrogant way, he sort of noticed his mistake or, you know, it wasn't working that way and he swapped them around sort of not early, but in the still in the first half, right? So at least... Looks like he sort of yeah he sort of acknowledged that that was a wrong move and he swapped it up, which is quite good. 
Because one of the things I've come to think about Arteta is that rotation almost is an irrelevant concept. It looks like sometimes he's rotating. I often wonder whether it's not he, that he's rotating. It's it's very specifically that every game he picks a team which he very specifically thinks is going to do a job in that game. And by virtue of that, rotation happens. So there are some people who get... And it's the only way I can rationalise times where he's played, for example, Saka for however many games in a row. Um and then other players, it looks on the face of it, it, oh, he's resting this player and he's giving them. But, you know, when I look at games like today and, and recently, maybe Olympiacos just gone is a bit of a, a bit of a red herring. But, but otherwise, it kind of just feels that he's always playing teams he thinks will very specifically address the team that we're playing against. And I think that's OK. Yeah. But I don't know if he's getting a bit used to the squad that he had at Man City, where everyone is just so elite that they don't necessarily need that continuity of playing every game you can throw them in and bang they'll put a world-class performance in yeah we're definitely not that are we um, <laughs> so i mean in terms of the goals we'll just cover them quickly because obviously there was a quite there were a number of incidents in the game a number of goals so the, the the first goal lingard i mean obviously it's a fantastic strike from my point of view i was a little bit disappointed with david Luiz again um antonio is running at him and i've I can understand why David Luiz is backing off as much as he does, but he backs off all the way into the box. Then he puts his hands behind his back, expecting a cross or a shot. Um, and what I guess what Lingard does after that is, is quality. But I feel like, again, it's that kind of level of defending um, and almost trying to prevent the danger from even, you know, coming near to near to our goal it could have you know he could have I don't know I feel like he could have done more rather than just backing off backing off backing off and then just putting his hands behind his back and we saw that was it last the last game yeah, yeah I was um, gonna say two yeah. and two games yeah yeah so same thing yeah but I think his great... level has dropped Louise like over the last look he's always been this error prone defender but he made up for that because when he wasn't making errors he was actually like elite in terms of what he does but over the last few games, there's just these things where you think, oh, David Lewis should do better there. Mm. David Lewis should do better there. And it seems to be becoming a theme. And that's quite frustrating. Would you extend his contract in the summer? No. No. You wouldn't? I think they I will, no. but I wouldn't. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but my mind's changed on that over the last yeah. couple of games. I actually thought a couple of games ago, I thought, I think we should give him another year. Mm. Um, but but no, like I think this is a reminder that if it's these kinds of performances, we don't need it. We don't but need it. More from a mentoring side as well to the other yeah. youngsters. I think like he's a good presence in the dressing room from what I've read. Um, he's meant to be. So he? being like a mentor to all the other sort of young players there. Um, and it's not like he's sitting on the bench. He's still coming out and playing most but, weeks, I, mean, I think. If they, keep, if they renew him and he starts 75, 80% of the games next season and he's blocking someone like Saliba or Mario, whoever it's going to be, um, or Mavropanos, you know, you probably then start to think, mm. oh. Yeah, okay. I'd be okay with having him in the squad and like coming in on cup games hmm. here and there, but yeah. starting week in, week out. But he's but he's got the quality, like he's got the quality of being a man of the match performance sometimes or a match loser other times. So he's, he's not, he has got that class in him still. Um, mm. It's just a consistency, which is, yeah, just, just Arsenal all over as well, isn't it? So I think to your earlier point, Nero, like I th- 
I think if without him, I worry about who's the the most senior central defender of the pack. You know, in terms of, you know, it feels to me. Look, obviously, none of us have ever been in foot worked in football, but it feels to me that within positions like centre back, you've got a little co- little coalition almost. You know, they're all together, and you need an experienced head there. Um, without him, who is it? Rob Holding is Rob Holding our most senior centre back, mm. and yeah, so. Maybe for that reason. And that's why, you know, when you, not to segue too much, right? But when there was that article by, uh, in The Athletic, I think, of Sven Minslintat, and he was talking about Socrates. And and one of the things that he was talking about as their reasons for signing Socrates was around that experience, that leadership around the center group pack and being able to be a mentor to um, Mavropanos. And so clearly that's something that, that clubs feel that you need. And so without without Louise, we have no one like that. Mm. Agreed. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so 2-0 was the, uh, well, the free kick. Um, so Saka gives away the free kick. And, uh, I mean, everyone just switches off, don't they? Mm. Uh, players with backs to the ball. No one's paying any attention. I don't know, really know. What, again, it comes down to what I said before, just not really switched on for a, for a big game for a Premier League game and just not really on it you know just not on it at all and <clears throat> yeah I mean make it so easy for them uh, and obviously Leno should save it at his near post um, I know Aaron and well you were saying I was saying as well we were asking the question why didn't has the referee blown his whistle why has he not pulled that back for not blowing his whistle did they I mean it didn't really get question i don't i don't even I, think the players i think that's, really that's normal either. isn't it i thought that's why I, I don't know I, I thought that's just i don't it's I, the same the same the same I, happened with our, with our goal as well didn't it uh, after the, well after the foul yes uh, i have i have a lot of sympathy for our defenders and it's very rare i know like everyone is saying on sky like oh what are the defenders doing but there were two or three things if, again you probably need like a video replay for this but um if you watch it again there are a couple of things that happen that I think make it very, very unlucky for us or just out, outright wrong from the referee. So that the foul happens, right? And it's a soft foul, but okay, let's assume it's a foul, right? They have every right to give a foul. The What then happens is the ball then rolls back. So the, the free kick is actually taken about 10 yards from where behind from where the foul actually happened. And if you look at the defenders, they're blocking the space where the free kick should be taken. But it's because Lingard takes a free kick about 10 feet back. They, sorry, 10, yeah, 10 yards back from where the foul was. They then, he had, then has the space to then play it to Bowen on the right hand side. Um, so everyone's saying, why aren't the defenders marking the space? They were marking the space because they were stood where the foul happened. Mm. Um, and then if you watch the replay, um, John Moss is actually talking to Partey, having a word with him, because I think it was him that gave the foul. And whilst he's having a conversation with Partey, Jesse Lingard's playing the pass. And there's, you know, I think, and then he, you look at him and he looks, I think, Myers, you said this, he, he looks like he looks like he's about to blow. And then all of a sudden it looks like he realises West Ham are in and that he can't blow. You know, yeah. Um, I was just going to say, because it's quite funny, because I think if they had not scored that chance, I reckon he brings it back. Yeah. Because you agree. see that all the time where they take a quick free kick for what, you know, they take a quick free kick it doesn't materialize into anything like they cock it up or whatever. And then the referee's like, Oh, you know, I'm going to blow it. I'll blow it and bring it back. And it happens all the time. But yeah, I, I, I thought that it looked like he was going to call it back, blow it, blow, blow his whistle. And he obviously didn't. And, um, 
and yeah, like I, I'm I'm kind of like reluctant to argue against it because I actually think in that situation you should give the attacking team the advantage. So if West Ham want to take that free kick quickly, they should be entitled to. But what frustrates me is nine times out of ten, they don't let that happen. Referee stops, blows, and waits for the whistle, and then they take the free kick. Um, it no, just so like happens. I said, it happened with our, our goal as well, right? Exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think so it Gomez, does happen more often. It does happen more often than you're, you're saying nine I, out of ten times. It does happen. I've seen it. It's like quick free kicks happen all the time in the game, but not there though, right? They very rarely when when you give a free kick there. I think most players expect it, and I, like it looks like the, 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 our defenders were waiting for the whistle. And West Ham yeah, because, played on because normally in, in that that well, like you said, the free kick wasn't. I, I didn't really pick up on that, but now I'm thinking about and trying to remember the incident. It was taken back, like in terms of yeah, on this it pitch, it was taken much further back. But um, yeah, normally when you get a free kick in that position, you're going to have a wall set up. So therefore, the referee will and you know the keeper sets his wall. He sets whatever, blah blah. So the defense will get themselves ready for the free kick so normally yeah. i don't know if that's what they thought was going to happen mm. probably yeah, that's what was happening it looks like Leno was yeah a wall was forming um, from where the free kick took place but i still think we're guilty of just mm. i mean not even oh 100 yeah, yeah yeah we switched right? off not even we switched, switched off yeah. we switched off again a smart team Aaron. i know you're saying it's still not i agree with you it's not right that it was taken 10 yards earlier but a smart team might have still kicked kept right, the right. ball or kicked the ball away or still stood in front of the goal you know being a bit more smarter about it uh, i agree i think uh, one we were naive be like we were naive thinking yeah exactly yeah. where's the ball just just keep an eye on the ball you know uh, but maybe i don't i mean i don't know the rules no because like before this conversation i was very non-sympathetic to arsenal but you know hearing all of this firstly i think that you know it's really interesting analysis aaron because i didn't spot the distance difference but Myers, i think your point about the wall that's a really good point so what so where do you draw the distinction like so at what point so plenty of times, I guess what I'm saying is free kicks are given and obviously there's time spent arranging the wall. Hmm. And the players don't just take the free kick. That, you know, they don't take it while they're like... Do you remember, remember Henri's goal against Chelsea? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good point. So well, what's the rule? But so what? So I don't understand. What is the rule? What are you... Because surely... like it, He has to wait. Yeah. For the, they have to wait for the whistle. There was, that, there was that incident in the Brighton game a couple of weeks ago. Don't, that's the one I saw yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, I can't remember what happened, but they took the free kick. And then after they took the free kick, the referee blew the whistle and then it went in. Yeah, it was like um, a fraction after they took the free kick. Yeah. Or like literally half yeah, seconds. Before in, like whilst it was midair. And then the referee gave it, then disallowed it, and then just gave it and then disallowed it again. But <laughs> it just seems that that I think that was very we were very, very unlucky, and I think the referee messed that up. But fair play to West Ham. They, you know. They took a chance and, you know, I think in that situation you should be entitled to take it quickly because it's yeah. your advantage. Mm. And, you know, fair, fair play to them. They um, punished. To be fair, Leno should have done a lot better as well. I don't know what he was, he, yeah. he was, he was doing, to be honest. That was really bad by Leno. Avoided. Yeah. But I, but I wonder, no, again, I wonder, was Leno just going, well, hang on a minute. Obviously, this is, obviously, this is a, I have to put a wall up. This is not going to be allowed. Like, I, I don't know, I, you know, at the time, again, I was looking at Leno going, what are you doing? That's terrible. That's awful goalkeeping. Yeah. Awful, awful, awful. But but in his mind, if he's thinking, well, hang on, obviously this is going to be retaken because I haven't had the chance to do anything. I think, I have... still think no, he still went for it, though. You still try and save it, though, right? Even yeah, like, but you, you see that. Think, you still see goals that. offside, you still try and save it, won't you? Half-heartedly. But how many times do you see that where a, keep, you know, a keeper knows that 
the referee is about to blow or whatever, the the striker shoots and they kind of half-heartedly try and do something because it's instinctive. Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, was our players a proper appealing for it after? I can't remember. No, oh, that's okay. true. That's I was confused. I mean. so should, yeah. that, that shows that they didn't think there's anything wrong with what happened either. Yeah, but, but they, players, they don't appeal for anything, do they? Exactly. Like, we have to be fair. Arteta didn't mention it once in his post-match interview either, so he didn't. If we'd have lost, he might have mentioned it. I don't know, but. I, I think if you watch, Spurs he, have got he says sloppy yeah. goals. I think he just yeah. said we were just letting sloppy goals, which for me it seems there wasn't a referee error there. And I think it it was it was it was a team error, not a referee error. That one. I think it can be both. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Both. And I think because error, but mm-hmm. then we made it easy for them after that. Yeah, because I think it also comes back to this consistency point here, right? Where we're constantly just seeing different interpretations of the rules and different precedents being set. And mm-hmm. I think this might be one of those occasions where, yeah, actually West Ham were allowed to do what they did, mm-hmm. but quite often, legitimately speaking, referees will not allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe we should be more professional and mm-hmm. just have been switched. I think particularly, you know, when you've got your backs to the action. You don't do that, right? Yeah. Like turned around. Thing. Yeah, it's a bit. I think Leno yeah. was turned around as well. Yeah. But yeah, as I said, like the referee, at least he kept it consistent with both goals. Like our our second goal was exactly the same thing, wasn't it? Which probably, to be fair, that's probably more of a controversial goal than <laughs> their goal. But the same thing, he let the quick, uh, mm. the attacking team have the advantage and um, yeah, we scored from it. So 2-0 and then the third one doesn't come that much longer afterwards. Um <clears throat> So it ends up being a, a Suchek uh, goal, goes down as a goal for him. But um, yeah, Antonio really just completely bosses Louise. Louise doesn't even get off the ground for the header. And again, I think poor defending from him. I, we said in the preview um, the other day that Antonio would, is their danger man and likely to, likely to cause us problems. But um, I expected a bit more from Louise there personally. Um and yeah, kind of 3-0 and we're thinking game's done. Um, and we, I was actually quite worried about watching us play and seeing how lacklustre we were. We just had no fire. I was thinking, God knows what the score's going to be. They could go on to... Mm. So it seemed like every time they were going at our goal, they were, getting, they were scoring. So um, welcome surprise that we managed to kind of come back into the game, I guess, after about, what, 35, 40 minutes, 35 minutes or so. We started to actually have a bit of the ball. Erdegaard started to dictate a little bit. And um, yeah, it was really, really good from coming down our right-hand side. Chambers fizzed it in, like really, really difficult cross to control. I, I The Lacazette goal, I was really impressed actually. I thought Lacazette had a good game personally, but I was really impressed with the goal. I know it took a deflection, but he's actually really, really good at that. Like when the ball's in the box and he gets a chance, he doesn't have to think about it too much. That snapshot that he has is actually really, really good. Okay, it's going off target, but... It was a really difficult ball to control. He kind of gets a bit lucky with the control because it kind of comes off his, I think, leg and then bounces off his thigh or somewhere his chest. And then, but he, he's, you know, he's already thinking about, I'm, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot. And, you know, gets us back into the game and 3-1, well, 3-1, yeah, gets us back into the game. He's so good at working in small spaces. Mm. There's lots of times goals I can think about. You remember even there's that goal that, he scored against Tottenham a while back and it was very hard to control and he was in the box. It got us back in the game, I think, that goal as well. And for some reason also, you know, what's in my head is, do you remember the, um, well, I was thinking, I think it was Lacazette, but do you remember the Ozil goal when he made it 3-2 against Liverpool? Do you remember when we had that comeback? 
and Thanks. it was Lacazette's assist, which was, yeah. you know, again, very tight space kind of like flick. He's, he's, he's good. Like, uh, it looked like an amazing finish, didn't it? <laughs> but see, so that deflection was pretty meaty in the end. Yeah. So we go in. Uh, sorry, oh, no, I, so, no, so yeah. touched upon. So on that third goal as well that we conceded, it was it was another error again, defensive error. And it wasn't Luis bit, but before then it was it was Tierney who Tierney. gave the ball away. And oh, again, it was started from playing from the. I think Leno gave him a poor ball to be honest because he couldn't really control it, and he tried flicking it forward, got intercepted, and then they scored. So I thought it was I, just a bad pass from Tierney. The ball, it wasn't like a... Like, was it? I think he played the out to Tierney. He didn't, it was like sort of bobbling up to him sort of thing. So I think he was under pressure. So he had to sort of uh, play it straight away. Um, but either way, it's just another defensive error from playing from the back. Which, and that was probably the more, most frustrating goal for me in terms because it's just we're not learning from these mistakes. And it always seems to happen from our left-hand side for some reason. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um so well at half so yeah after that obviously Lacazette scores we go into the into halftime sorry at three one, um, come out of the second half and all of a sudden you know well we carry on from where we how we ended the first half but all of a sudden there's this kind of impetus a bit of drive we actually maybe it's the goal that gave us that belief that we could actually come back into the game Lacazette is one on one with the keeper isn't he um, re- shortly after we resume and lobs it over and it gets cleared off the line. Um, so yeah, positive start to the to the second half, um, and then the own goal from from West Ham uh, again. Good work down our right hand side. Erdegaard was it the reverse pass? Was it this one the reverse pass? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Erdegaard into Chambers, yep. yeah, that one. And again, really really good ball, like dangerous ball in from Chambers. His crossing was excellent um, today. Again, we were saying like you were saying before the game, we weren't expecting him to kind of be that. Uh, dangerous going forward, but he he was, um, and yeah, so we're three two, and we had plenty of time really to well get back into the game and to potentially equalise and uh, and maybe go on to win it. But yeah, any thoughts on the on the goal? And I think the uh, only thing is that that came as the as a result of the free kick, right? That second goal, the one which and shouldn't have had. <laughs> yeah, I think we were very. It wasn't a foul. It wasn't, I, think, I think we fouled him, if anything. Yeah, I have no idea how Don Moss came <laughs> towards us in our favour. This is why I'm a bit less annoyed about the um, the free yeah. kick that they scored because I think John Moss got that wrong. Um, how he gave a foul for that, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and then also um, a bit later on when Lingard was actually through and goal and then he took it back. For a he- um, head injury, apparently. Oh, they, was they, it a head injury? I don't know why he took that. Was, back, that was the right? reason he thought one of our players had a head injury. But uh, okay. Arty, right, fine. Fine. Yeah. All right, fine. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. But again, mm. I would, if I was a West Ham fan, I'd yeah. also be very annoyed about it. I just think John Moss is a terrible ref. Mm. He just gets so much wrong. Um, but look, it, it helped us massively today, on yeah. balance anyway. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, from the moment we scored that first goal in the first half and, you know, those the, the time from that to the end of the first half, plus all this period that we're just referring to now, it was just a completely dominating performance where you you it's, you didn't feel like we didn't deserve to get back in the game. And to think that from from how we were in that first 35 minutes, where like you said, Myers, I thought the same thing at that point where I was like, this could get messy to then getting to a point where you're like, my God, we are dominating in a way that I've perhaps not seen us dominate this season. And, um, and Odegaard just at that point of the game was completely dictating everything that was going on. Right. The whole game. Everything was going through him. 
everything what, was what, through him. Because I don't, I tried to look and figure out what we were doing differently in the first thirteen minutes. I know we moved over out <laughs> to the left from yeah. the right, but like it was such a shift in what we were doing. We were so so bad, and then all of a sudden we were really good. <laughs> like what? What you can't you explain think? it. Was it West Ham as well? Because obviously West Ham played the first yeah. half. Now a high intensity, high tempo. Maybe they yeah. tired down or they slowed Possibly. down, and then gave us opportunity to then go on the front foot. Yeah, I think it's almost like they scored that third goal a bit too early. Yeah. You know, if we were, it was 2 0, and then they scored the third goal yeah. at like the 65th minute, I think it would have killed us off. Do you but... think in their heads as well, then they just psychologically, they took a, they thought, let's stand back a bit more? Yeah, I don't think they knew what to do at 3 0, because I thought, yeah. they think, should we go for it or should they sit back? And mm. they did a bit of both and didn't do either very well. I think it's the too early thing that you said, like, because I think we touched upon this on another session once. Well, we mentioned about how it almost doesn't matter what the scoreline is. Whoever scored the last goal has the momentum. Mm -hmm. And when we scored that one to make it 3-1, you felt the whole game change. You felt them suddenly go, oh, hang on a minute. What do we do? Mm -hmm. And you felt us kind of go, we're completely in control of this game. And the the weird thing is, is like, you you know, to your to your question, Aaron, but what changed? The hard bit to figure out what changed is it wasn't like the transformation happened at half time. It happened no, it after we scored that goal in the first half. So there was no time for a debrief or a change of tactics, you know, at that point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Even before we scored the goal, we we were getting in behind and like Odegaard, I think it may, might just be Odegaard and how he just started dictating things a bit more. But it was a very big shift and which just seemed to carry on. And then half time, obviously helped things and the energy levels were better. But yeah. I think perhaps it might have been the midfield. I think Jacko and Partey were just nowhere in the first 30 minutes. Oh, wow. and Partey finally looked like he came into the game a bit. Yeah, yeah Partey was taking, was pissing me off. He was taking shots from everywhere. <laughs> like, first, like, when, he, when he did it for the first couple of times, we were like, oh yeah, Partey shooting. And he does every game now and he's really pissing yeah. me off. And it's so bad. <laughs> it's yeah. not even close. No way so the one today, he had so much space around him, and he's still... He's obviously smashing them in and training. He must be. <laughs> he absolutely must yeah. be, like, every week, just pinging well, them. It's not like he was under pressure. If you're under pressure, I get it, but he had so much space. He, just... Maybe he's got, like, he gets a bonus, like, every shot of like, 25, <laughs> 30 <laughs> yards out. <laughs> but none of, them are, none of them are close. Close, right? So they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think El Nenny must. Be, I think it must be like El Nenny getting in his ear, going, you know, I scored a screamer last week. Need some one-on-one training with El Nenny. Yeah. Doesn't <laughs> oh, Spurs is, oh, almost went to three. Sorry, I just switching Spurs. Oh, you know. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So three-two, um, but West Ham still had their chances, didn't they? Um, following that, there was that Tierney double block, um, and then Antonio. <laughs> Antonio, luckily for us, missed the chance to make it four-two. I don't think even think he'll be able to explain how he missed that. Um, but he was yeah, like, fair, in it, in his defence, I think he was at full stretch. So yeah, I don't think he could have done much more. To be honest, yeah, yeah. another day that goes in. I think it's yeah. very unlucky. It's like Gaza '96, isn't it? All over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, obviously we make a couple of substitutions. Um, Smith Rowe came on. Pepe came on. Um, and then, well, yeah, I think it was about 10 minutes to go. Uh, Lacazette's goal. Um, I was really, really impressed with... But well, Pepe, had a, again, had another another game where he's come off the bench but had made made an impact. Um, his cross was was a fantastic cross, right foot. Um, and doesn't normally use his right foot, so I was quite surprised he even crossed it, to be honest, because he's always trying to get back on his left. And Lacazette was in the right place and 
bullet header in. And at that point, I thought we're going to go on to win the game. Was that the reverse pass? I think. I think that was a reverse pass, wasn't it? Or was that no? The Odegaard one. I think that was no. The second goal was it? I think yeah. it was the second goal. Yeah. Man, he still got the assist of the, the assist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, mate, I was so uh, I was so like confused because like obviously when when like when the header went in, like, obviously I was like jumping up and down, texting, and I looked up. And I thought like Aubameyang they're celebrating. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> I swear, I just I thought my eyes were playing tricks to me. I said I was thinking, I swear, I just went off yeah. my Martinelli. Like what the hell is going on here? And yeah, then mm. I sort of figured out what was going on when I saw the replays. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, I think it's, again, mate. All, like, I just I'm just surprised at how quickly like Odegaard is just like running the show. Mm. Like again, like a lot of like world class players have come to this league and have struggled, and especially in the number ten role as well. I say very highly technical role as well. It's not an easy role to sort of get into straight away. And mate, he was just pulling all the strings for us today. Um, it was like, amazing, yeah. Like all these balls, like he like plays the balls perfectly each time to you. And like for the Chambers assists and even the Pepe assist, it was just he just knows the right time to be playing those passes. Um, and I was, yeah, with the Pepe, the Pepe cross, like as, as you touched upon, I think I was, I was very impressed with that because, yeah, I've always been a criticism of his right foot. Um, and the fact that he got that ball like bang on target. Was yeah. like was really uh, satisfying. It was a great cross, yeah. yeah. Great if he'd cross. if he'd done that on his left foot on the other side, I would have been impressed. So the fact, mm. the fact that he did it with his, his and the fact that he's got the confidence to do that now, maybe yeah, I don't know if that's something Arteta has been working with him or he's clearly practicing something. But yeah, the fact that he didn't think about turning back, he just went for it and he delivered. And yeah, I think like there. you touched upon, like after he came on, uh, he was seemingly involved in everything. Yeah. He was, you know, he, he, he had those a few times where he was in the box and he was getting into really good, you know, there was really good half chances. I think there are a couple where we wondered, could he be appealed for a penalty a little bit more? Mm. Um, I think I think if they were given, they probably would have been over soft. soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even yeah. think the chance, there was one chance that, again, and we mentioned this in the last episode, where he sort of just, he's trying to bend it into that far corner, so he's not trying to go for power, but he just doesn't get any power behind it and it goes straight at the keeper. There was... There was one of those and it was on his left as well. And I don't think that was a half chance. I think that was a really, really good chance. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the frustrating thing with him, really. He's got got it in his locker. Like he's got the talent, or just, you know, he's got a great left foot. Yeah. Um, but often he he's not yeah. But at least the positives of that is that the positives that he's getting into those positions and getting those chances, right? Yeah. So the next step is to then if he came on and he was a ghost for the whole half, then that would have been a bit more disappointing. But he was he got involved straight away, which was quite positive. We want him to influence games, yeah. don't we? Mm-hmm. We want him to influence games. And I think if he can, and he's doing that now, he's really influencing games. But I think the execution of some of the things that he's doing, you know, obviously it needs to improve. Yeah. But, you know, I think if we just look at it holistically now, right, and and just say we got ourselves in a position where we were genuinely probably disappointed not to win in the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's inconceivable from being three nil down. Like, so I know like a huge inquest needs to happen for how we got ourselves in a situation where we're three nil down after thirty five minutes. But I think if you look back on all the games recently, where many of these games we've come back from a goal down or we've had suffered kind of adversity or whatever it is in these in some of these games, I think we're showing a lot of character in games this season now. You know, over the last kind of six, seven games, um, so I don't think today's results happen. Today happens if it hadn't been for some of the things happened in 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 our previous games. If that makes any sense, yeah, um, yeah. it's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty impressive. Mm. I, I think, think the main yeah. go on, go on, go on, mate. Yeah, I think for me the main 
recurring theme for the last kind of month or two is we we are a good team and we play well, but we do not have the ability to play well for a full ninety minutes. And what's happening is in those periods where we aren't playing well, we just need to stop making defensive errors because ultimately we know that we will have a half an hour or maybe just intermittent periods throughout the game where we will create chances now. It's not like before where we weren't creating chances. And if we are taking those chances, we will win most games. The problem that is happening is in those moments where we're not really on top, we gift the opposition goals or we do just horrendously stupid stuff. And if we can cut that out, we will start winning games consistently. But for whatever reason, the errors just seem to be getting worse rather than getting getting better. It's like when we can't play well, like every single player all of a sudden don't know how to pass and like we just give the ball. Like it's not like one or two players that are playing badly that suddenly all 11 players are just poor. And like I've touched upon before, I don't know if that's a mental thing which Arteta needs to work on. Um, but right to go back to your point, I think, but players influencing. I think we've come leap and bound since last year. When previously, if you know, Bamiang has a bad game, like you know, it's guaranteed we're going to lose their game. He's the only one that could do anything. Uh, whereas now we've literally got five, six, seven players that, even if Oba's not playing well, they can influence games. And I think mm-hmm. that is a credit to where we've come. Even Lacazette now, like start of the season, I'm sure a few of you as well, like I would have said, yeah, just sack him off like we don't we don't need him anymore he's not really adding much value to the team although I thought he was a good player but he wasn't sort of getting you know like influencing games but now he's adding goals and assists to his games he's definitely become an influencer um so I think yeah just, as Aaron was saying mate like cut out the defensive errors then I think we've definitely got a lot more leaders and influencers in the team so we're going the right way it's just disappointing sometimes when we like two goals today were defensive errors yeah um um, so I was going to say, I mean, uh, obviously a point today, uh, I guess in terms of our league position, probably sums up our, our season to a, certain, to a certain extent. We're very, very inconsistent. I think our last night results have been three wins, three defaults, three, mm. three draws, three defeats. Um, okay. Yeah, but apparently. Um, but yeah, so one point, but I was just, you touched on uh, Erdegaard. Nero um, and how good he's been. So I just, I saw a tweet earlier with some of the stats from the game today. So I don't know if you guys saw this. So pretty impressive. I mean, there's loads, but 93% pass, pass accuracy, which is for a guy who's constantly forward passing and looking for, mm. you know, runners. That's, that's, that's a really good uh, pass completion rate. 95 touches. Um, I mean, there's loads here. 16 penalty area entries, which was the most in the game. Nine crosses, six duels won, five touches in the opposition box. Four take-ons, four chances created, three shots, mm. two fouls, one one shot on target. I mean, all round, yeah. Well, I say, I don't say all round display. I mean, the stats kind of show it. But how key this guy has become for us, even though he's only here potentially for until the end of the season, and how much he's brought to us in terms of going forward. Um, it's it's amazing, isn't it? It's remarkable, really. Um, and yeah, I mean. I think I know the answer to the question, but <laughs> obviously we need to, I hope the club are working on getting some sort of deal done where we, where, where he's going to uh, sign permanently. I don't know how difficult that's going to be and how much that might cost, but I hope that they're, they've started the conversations with, with Madrid. I think I would say that's number one priority for the summer to sign him on. 
Um, I think, yeah, it's just, when you compare that Benfica game, do you remember? I think that, I think it was a first leg game where he was getting into like spaces, but like no one was picking him out. And mm. all of a sudden, within a month now, like everyone is like giving him the ball. He's coming back, collecting it. Like in that like four or five games, he's gone from just being a, a new boy in the team to pretty much like feels like he's been there for like three, four years, just pulling the strings. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think the challenge isn't going to be Madrid, but it's going to be him, right? If he, like, if it gets to summer and he's done really well and really enjoying himself here, is he really going to want to go back to play under Zidane, who, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to like him that much? But will Zidane be and the manager? Zidane, yeah, yeah, I think, I think exactly the club, the, the club rate him, and hence why they loaned him out of them and sold him. I think the club wants him. You're right. The key thing is Zidane, really, yeah. uh, and that's why secretly now I'm just hoping Real Madrid just like smash every game of the season now and like win everything they can so Zidane stays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I'm him, that Ode- Ode- Odegaard played more league minutes for Arsenal than he has for Real Madrid hmm. this season. Oh really? Mm. Yeah. What like ten? No, as, as in, in his Real Madrid career. career. Oh really? Do you understand? Like, so it's like it's yeah. it's really I mean, you know his choice you know what his choice would be right? yeah well i mean the thing is obviously he's playing so well for us and he's starting games as well and he's he's obviously putting in performances he's going to get noticed not just by madrid but by potentially other teams potentially bigger teams and bigger clubs so i i mean obviously it does help a lot that he's been able to almost trial us and we've been able to trial him to a certain extent um so yeah, hopefully that might sway his decision if he if he does have a say in it and he has the option to come to us. Um, I think it's interesting because obviously in the summer we were looking at a number of different creative players and OR was the one that we were heavily linked with and apparently you know almost got to the point where we were going to buy him for 50-odd million. Um, and obviously that didn't materialise, it didn't happen and we spent the money on Thomas Partey. But I think it's interesting or I think I'm hoping that the club looking at it like with the fact that we've been able to, like I said, almost trial Erdegaard, you know, new player coming into new league. We know what he's about. We know what he offers. He fits into the team well. He Arteta clearly likes him, fits into Arteta's sort of style of play and tactics, seems to get along with everyone. You know, he seems to train well. He's just been made captain of the Norwegian team. So you can tell that he's obviously got something about him in terms of leadership. Um, it's almost a case of they weren't willing to spend the 50 million on OR last summer, but if Erdegaard is in that kind of range, price range, they, sh- they should just be putting the money down, really. I'd, I don't know how much Madrid would want for him. I've no idea. But you probably think it's in that sort of, I don't know, 50 million, maybe maybe a bit more. But the fact that we've had him for six months and you can see the impact he's brought to the team, uh, it, it, you know, a while would have been a risk to a certain extent, right? 50 million, but you don't know if it's going to work out. You know with Odegaard, you know what you're going to get. Proven. Yeah, yeah it's pretty, he's, he's proven himself. I'm not saying he's going to, you know, well, yeah, I'd say he's proven himself, you know, in yeah. such a short space of time. I said it last time, you would not have thought that he's never played for Arsenal before. You would not have thought he's never played a Premier League game before um, January. So, yeah. I, yeah. I would go all out, I would say. Like, even, again, even if it means you use up your whole budget on <laughs> securing him, I would, even if it means 60, 70 million, I would, I would go all out and just get him in there. Um, and part of that is because I think the rest of the squad doesn't look as fragile as it did sort of four or five months ago where we thought, you know, we'll need a cam, we'll need a left back, we need centre backs, we need a right back. Like, you know, Chambers looks, you know, only two games, but he looks like he can do their job there. 
the rest of the team, the fact that we're rotating so much shows that we've got that squad there. Um, still got Saliba to come back. So I don't think where we were sort of six months ago saying, you know, we all, you know, we need another striker because Lacazette's doing all right as well. Sort of six months ago where we thought, you know, we need, you know, quite a lot of changes in the squad. I don't think, I think, you know, if securing him is probably more important than sort of fixing the other areas, which isn't looking as weak as it did six months ago. So I think it's quite funny because there's some funny similarities with him and Ozil in some ways, right? Because, well, firstly, just they're both left-footed number 10s. But also, before they went to Real Madrid, Arsene Wenger spoke to them both about joining Arsenal. They both chose to join Real Madrid. <laughs> um, and, you know, that that is because Odegaard even mentioned that, right? He was like, yeah, you know, I felt I had a good feeling about the club. It just didn't happen. Ozil said basically the same thing. Um, so that'll be quite funny from that respect, then going from Real Madrid to Arsenal. But, you know, Nero, like, I completely agree. I think it's got to be the priority. I actually don't think it will cost us 60 to 70 million. Like, I, I, I don't think it, it would cost us that much necessarily because we've kind of, we might be able to potentially manufacture a bit of a Fabregas type situation here where I think Odegaard sounds like he's desperate to feel settled somewhere and he probably feels quite settled with us now. Mm. And it might get to the end of the season where he says, listen, I want to leave and I only want to go to them. I only want to go to Arsenal. Mm. And Real Madrid may want to fund, you know, if they want to try and get Mbappe or whoever it is that they want to, you know, kickstart them again, they're going to need to make some sales. So I personally can't see it being a case where it will be 60, 70 million. Um, but I, I agree with you with the general point that I think it needs to be pro- our priority. And I think, however, let's just say if it ends up being 50, 60, I don't know. He's 22 years old. He's got ages. He's going to get better. Like, you know, it's it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Just got to do it. Mm. Absolutely. Same wise, when you were talking about... Uh... We talked about uh, Ozil and Odegaard. You should have added like every other superstar that Wenger almost got, but he didn't. <laughs> yeah, the list is endless, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, another good thing about today is it's good to see um, Partey complete nine minutes because you know last since he's come back from injury, he's always been uh, sort of taken off after sort of fifty-five, sixty minutes and sort of managed, you know managed to be you know, wrapped in cotton wool. Hmm. So it's good that he was actually completely nine minutes for us today, which is quite encouraging. And nice yeah. to see Martinelli get minutes yeah. at the end as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was good. I mean, we said before the game, right, we said it'll be great to get four points out of this game in Liverpool. So <laughs> that's still possible <laughs> now. If we played like we played second half for the whole of Liverpool game, we could. Mm. We could, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I also think, like I said, I think I said this last week, I think West Ham will give us a much tougher game than Liverpool will. Mm. Um, and they did. But who knows? Yeah, I don't think... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we find new ways to make life difficult for ourselves every game. So <laughs> let, let's see what happens against Liverpool. It'll be interesting. But yeah, absolutely. If we're going to try and push for that top six, I think three points is a must. Mm. All right, guys. Brilliant. Good chat. Thanks again. Uh, So we've got a bit of a break now until our next game, as you say, Liverpool in a couple of weeks. So hopefully the players that are going on, our players that are going on international duty come back in one piece and hopefully Saka doesn't play three games for England. Um, But yeah, we'll see you guys uh, hopefully in the week for maybe a special episode. But until then, boys, thanks very much. Catch you soon. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.
Bye.